0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom
1: to life on stage. Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian joined the Washington Post to discuss the airline's commitment to safety despite economic uncertainty, its program for company-wide testing, and what he sees for the future of travel. Let's listen.
0: Hello everybody, I'm David Ignatius, a columnist for the Washington Post. Welcome to this latest installment of our regular series of programs on the path forward during the pandemic. Uh, this morning, I'm delighted to welcome uh, Ed Bastian, the chief executive of Delta Airlines. He's an industry leader. He's been the CEO of Delta since 2016. And as the head of one of America's major airlines, he has, I'd say, a unique perspective on what the pandemic is doing to our economy, how to think about where we're heading in the future. So. Want to welcome Ed to our uh, discussion and start off with a question that uh, plays right off of the little introductory video that, that, that you uh, all saw. Uh, you have uh, made a point of saying that on Delta, you're not going to sell the middle seat, the uh, middle seat that all airline passengers dread. You're not going to sell it for safety reasons. Uh, so your planes are flying at best at 60% capacity. I wanna ask you uh, how you're uh, faring with that with that approach. Other airlines, notably American, United, haven't taken the same approach and have perhaps higher load factors on, on some flights. Uh, how's this working for you and how long do you wanna continue with it?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me, David. Uh, we are focused on restoring confidence in air travel, uh, protecting the safety, the health of our people, our employees, as well as our customers. And we made a decision early on that we were going to deploy distancing procedures on board our airplanes by capping our load factors at 60%, blocking the middle seats. Uh, so, no middle seats will be sold on, on Delta aircraft uh, through September 30th, but we're ex- anticipating extending it beyond September 30th as well. We haven't put a fixed date out there for that as we continue to monitor the virus. Uh, customers are telling us they appreciate that comfort the uh, having a seat next to them open on virtually every seat of the aircraft and as a result of that people are coming back to delta and the strength of the brand is improving during despite the pandemic and the challenges of the virus
0: so i want to ask you uh, if this is a matter of, of passenger safety and of your brand, uh, whether you're really not heading towards continuing this policy until we have some fundamental relief from the pandemic, we all think about a vaccine or something that would just, just basically uh, put us in a different space. Do you see extending this non-sale of the middle seat perhaps until early next year when a virus is, uh, the vaccine is available to stem the virus?
1: We haven't put a date on it yet, David. We're going to continue to monitor uh, confidence that consumers have with respect to our our product. Uh, Undoubtedly, once we do have a a vaccine and people feel they're safe from the virus, uh, we hope air travel will continue to return to normal at at scale. But until that time, we're going to be very cautious and careful and, and monitor customer sentiment and behavior. I would rather bring more flying back into the schedule, more seats than more people on board an airplane at this point in time. Let
0: me ask you about another aspect of your approach to safety, and that's your insistence on, on your passengers wearing masks. Why do you feel that masks are so important for the safety of your customers and your employees?
1: Well, every medical expert that we speak to tells us that masks are one of the most important safety measures we can deploy, not just on airplanes, but in life, uh, in any kind of public setting. And we are enforcing that requirement at Delta. So when you're on the airport at Delta, whether you're on the airplane or whether you're on any Delta property, including our our offices uh, and in public public setting, we're requiring masks be worn. Uh, It's one of the many safety Uh, protocols we've put in place, masks in and of themselves aren't the silver bullet, but we believe uh, the uh, spread of the virus uh, is significantly contained when I wear a mask to protect you and you wear a mask to protect us.
0: So Ed, given how important safety is
1: to your industry,
0: and how many regulations there are to protect uh, your passenger' safety, wouldn't it make sense for the for the D- Department of transportation simply to mandate that anybody who flies on a plane will wear a mask just make it a make it a condition that, of of government regulation, not your having to impose it?
1: Well, we certainly um, don't expect more regulation in the space uh, so to the extent we had federal Uh, reinforcement. It would make it easier for our people to enforce on board our planes, but we're enforcing it. And uh, we've been very, very public. Uh, We have currently about 130 people on no-fly lists, given their refusal to wear a mask once they got on board our planes. Uh, But we're going to make certain that we enforce it even if the federal government doesn't give us the backup to to put a regulation in place.
0: And I'm just curious about the no-fly list, which is your kind of final measure, somebody won't put on the mask, you give them a card, I gather, and says, uh, when you get off, you're gonna be, uh, greeted by somebody who will tell you, you're not gonna fly on Delta again. You had any lawsuits challenging the legality of that? I'm curious. We have not. So let me ask you about another aspect of safety, and then we'll turn to broader business issues that face uh, Delta and, and, and your industry. That's the question of testing for your own employees. You've formed an innovative partnership with Quest, I believe, a medical technology company. And you said a week or so ago that virtually all your employees are now being tested. And I'm curious, how often is that? Every 24 hours, 48 hours? And how long does it take you to get the results from the testing regime that you've got in place uh, so you know where an employee is uh, uh,
1: promptly after the test? So together with the Mayo Clinic as well as with Quest Diagnostics we have deployed uh, testing procedures both for the active virus as well as the serology test to determine whether an employee had already previously been exposed and carries the antibodies. Uh, We wanted to get a good baseline on our 90,000 employees worldwide as to where they stood relative to the risk of contracting the virus. We know uh, there's a lot of fear out there around the virus. We know our employees uh, travel the globe. Uh, they're in public settings, and we want to be able to do our very best to protect their health and safety by putting them through a, uh, a fairly aggressive plan to, to test all of our employees. We're uh, still doing that. We expect to be finished over the next several weeks and have a solid baseline. And then importantly, determine what the follow-up procedures are. You know who are the employees that are most vulnerable that we want to maintain some very close uh, contact with regarding tracing and, and, and uh, testing and understanding their their specific situation and those that actually may not be as much at risk and we'll put them on a reduced protocol. But we, we believe it's important, not just for the safety of our own people, but the safety of our customers with, with our customers, knowing that the Delta employees are going through tests themselves.
0: So, uh, Ed, in every one of uh, our conversations with uh, chief executives like you since the pandemic began, we've talked about the recovery and, and how that process looks. Uh, and as I said at the outset, the airline industry has, has a particular uh, uh, data set that allows you to understand the recovery and what's happening better than most. So let me ask you, wh- where do you stand in terms of traffic uh, you, you mentioned before we started that you're up a bit. T- tell our viewers uh, what you can about about what you're seeing in terms of who's flying, where it is compared to where, where it was a month or two ago.
1: So for the weekend we just concluded, David, we were uh, flying with customers at about 25% of where we were the same uh, weekend uh, in the prior year, in, in 2019, pre-pandemic. So that 25% of, of the prior year levels is the high point that we've seen thus far. Uh, we bottomed out in April at about 5% of prior year levels. So it's a significant increase from where we had been, but at the same time, it indicates gives an indication how far we've yet to go. We're only at 25% of prior levels, despite the fact that this is uh, typically our busiest time of the year. We do uh, see leisure travel coming back uh, a lot quicker than business. Business travel is still greatly reduced, uh, but people are out. Uh, you know, heading to the mountain states uh, is one of the places we've seen the, the greatest uh, interest in travel. Um, Salt Lake City is one of our hubs, and we're we're operating at probably 50 to 60 percent of prior year levels, uh, as compared to the Northeast, where that that number is is uh, still down in the 10 percent level. You
0: said in an interview with Time Magazine a, about a week ago that you thought the recovery uh, had stalled, that, that that was a good way to describe where things were. Would you still say that a week, 10 days later, uh, or are you beginning to get a little speed again?
1: No, I think, I think we're still in a, a stall. Uh, one of the reasons why we've picked up to the 25% level is that we added some additional capacity coming into the August month. So today we're flying about 50% of the flights that we flew this time a year ago with about 25% of the people that we had this time a year ago. You can look at it in that sense. And while it's picked up a little bit, it's because we put some additional planes in the sky. But I'd say the recovery still is largely stalled. So so I I want to ask about about, uh, your cash burn
0: rate. Uh, You have said in interviews that at, at the low point, I guess it's when you were flying only 5% of your normal passengers, uh, your your cash burn rate was on the order of $100 million a day. Uh, and uh, you said uh, more recently that it was down to about $27 million a day. And I wanna ask whether you think uh, that line is gonna continue to drop and whether you can see a break even point uh, anytime this year.
1: Our goal is to get it down to break even by the end of the year, but that is going to be highly dependent upon uh, where the virus uh, sits in, in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the psyche of our, our uh, consumer confidence. We are at a point where uh, costs are down more than 50%. I don't think we can take our costs down that much lower than we already have. So getting that 27 million down to a breakeven level, would require us to grow probably another 20 percent of our revenue base back by the end of the year. Uh, That may be ambitious. That's our goal. Uh, It may take us into the first quarter of next year, but we are continuing to see slow and steady improvement in reducing the cash burn.
0: Let me ask about your employees. Uh, Ed, uh, you uh, have Uh, uh, relied on buyouts. You had, I think, uh, on the order of of 17,000 of your employees accept uh, uh, buyouts. Uh, uh, You have a a crunch time coming, October 1, when the money that Delta has received under the CARES Act uh, deal, basically, that says, well, you keep uh, paying your employees, get the money and, and, and no layoffs. Uh, That ends, uh, I'm I'm told that you have sent a a notice to about 2,500 of your pilots warning them that after October 1, they could be furloughed. So I want to ask you uh, what you think is going to be likely after the 1st of October, starting with the pilots. Are you going to have to furlough some pilots after that date, given the reduction in the number of flights?
1: Well, given that we are overstaffed with our pilots as well as all of the the other work groups, we're doing everything we can on a voluntary basis to reduce the the potential impact of a furlough. We're working with the union in that regard. Hopefully, we can we can reach some accommodations that would mitigate the cost of carrying uh, the 2,500 incremental pilots that we had. Uh, we've got a uh, put out last month a voluntary. Uh, early retirement and separate separation offer for our employees. Twenty percent of our staff, including a significant number of pilots, subscribed to take that. So we've already on a voluntary means you know, we're, we're a 20% smaller company uh, this month than we were just last month alone. And through collaboration across work groups, we're hoping to spread as much work as we can amongst the existing uh employee base without having to avail ourselves of furloughs. We've got a lot of flexibility in some of our work groups, our flight attendants can work in catering, uh, going over to reservations. We have work that we've outsourced in the past at the airports that we're having our airport personnel take on such as wheelchair pushing and other, other cabin cleanliness initiatives. Uh, the pilots are a little more difficult given, given they are uh, in a, a, a different, very different uh, situation. But we're working with the union, and hopefully, we can get to a to a good accommodation there.
0: What do you think about Congress extending the kind of payroll support that was part of the CARES Act The legislation? Is being uh, uh, wrangled over in the Senate as as we speak? Uh, it's my understanding that most of the major airlines have, have supported the idea of of extending the benefits that will expire at the end of September for your industry further, but the Delta has not. Have I got that right? And if so, explain to me why you're not supporting this extension.
1: Oh, we're we're supportive. I think everyone in our industry is supportive. Uh, The CARES Act was incredibly successful in that it gave the airline six months post the pandemic start to be able to have a plan to deal with a pandemic without having to deal with it. And, and try to figure out how to save cost immediately uh, with labor, Keep, kept our employees uh, in place, give it, give us all a chance to put an orderly plan to do the early retirement offer that, that I mentioned. Uh, to the extent the Senate and uh, and the administration as well as Congress was able to extend the CARES Act support post October 1st uh, with, with a clean extension similar to what we had for the last six months. Delta is absolutely in support of that.
0: And I assume that 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 would mean, as part of that deal, if it's if it's uh, done, that that you extend your your no furlough pledge um, for the duration of that uh, extension period.
1: Absolutely, we what we're looking for is a clean extension. Take the the six month period and and add another six months with the same requirements. We we'd be in full support of that.
0: One of your uh, competitors, Southwest, has announced, even before the passage of such an extension, that they are not going to furlough uh, their employees uh, until the beginning of next year at the earliest. Uh, That's a a pledge, obviously, that's significant for their employees. Have you considered something like
1: that at Delta? Well, we're trying to to, uh, implement that same uh, approach and goal. Uh, We're not there yet. I mentioned with the pilots, we still have a considerable amount of work to do to uh, assume uh, where the, the uh, cost savings from that incremental overstaffing would come from. Uh, we're doing everything we can through all voluntary measures. Our employees have been great across the company. We've had through, since the start of the pandemic, over 40,000 of our employees take voluntary leaves of absence without pay during, that, during this stretch. Uh, We still continue post uh, uh, August one, even after the the early retirements of the employees to still have 1000s of people out on voluntary leaves without pay. Uh, So the employees are doing a really incredible job of trying to reduce costs It's the biggest cost of the airline is the labor cost and uh, mitigate any risk of furloughs, but we're not ready to to declare victory on that just yet.
0: With with all of our conversations with uh, CEOs, uh, Ed, we've tried to ask about the future shape of the economy after we get through the pandemic, what will be different? uh, And your business is a a prime example. What what do you see um, two, three, even five years out in, in the airline and travel industry? A lot of people speculate that business travel just won't come back. To the levels that it was, we've learned how to zoom. We've learned how to do things like we're doing right now. What's what's your own judgment about 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 how the your industry will will be reshaped uh, in in the aftermath of this experience?
1: Well, I think we certainly will be a smaller industry coming through the pandemic. Uh, consumer behaviors have changed, as you indicate, uh, particularly for business travel. I do think video technology is going to be seen. As a potential substitute for business travel, I don't think it's a it's a great substitute. There's been a forced adaptation of the technology, so people this is the only way people can communicate uh, in in video form is is to do it through a technological means. I do think once it's safe, once a vaccine is in place, once people feel that there is a the businesses are open, it's not just them feeling safe aboard an airplane but the businesses are open and there's business to be done, uh, business travel will return. I, I do think it will take several years though to see a return at anywhere close to the levels we saw in 2019. Uh, people will learn new ways to uh, to conduct uh, travel uh, through video, as you say, or maintaining connection to people, but the human spirit needs to needs to be in person. It's very hard to draw that same relationship and the collaboration and creativity and spark of ingenuity that the human spirit creates uh, for business. And as businesses start to reopen and start to to look at opportunities to grow and the economies improve, business travel will be at the forefront of that. So whether it gets all the way back in two years, three years, four years, I'm not sure. Uh, But I do think business travel will start to pick up again, but probably not till sometime mid next year. And what about
0: uh, leisure travel? Should we expect, are you expecting a spike? I want to call it a kind of whoopee. Uh, it's over. Let's go on a vacation. Is that going to happen, do you think, sometime next year?
1: Well, we already see demand for leisure travel currently. We—it's it's, That's the 150,000 people that we're carrying today uh, as we operate Delta. The majority, the vast majority, are, are leisure travelers. Uh, there's a lot of pent-up demand, uh, not just domestically, but internationally. And we're still restricted from flying to a lot of international destinations. So I do think uh, leisure will be the first um, form back. Uh, in, right now, we're we're seeing a lot of interest in, in international. We just can't operate uh, with the restrictions in place for international travel. So international, for me, is is something that's g- going to lag domestic probably by 6 to 12 months. But people do want to get out. There's there's certainly a pent-up cabin fever that we're seeing.
0: For the world that's coming. What what planes are you thinking about buying? What do you want to basically put on on hold?
1: Well, one of the opportunities that we uh, are deploying through the pandemic is I call pulling our future forward. The, the fuel efficiency of our fleet is going to be significantly better once we get out to the other side. Uh, we will be taking some airplanes over the next two to three years, but we're also going to be retiring a lot more than we're taking. We've already announced the retirement of over 100 airplanes this year alone. The MD-88 fleet, the MD-90 fleet, our 777 fleet, which was an older fleet and it was sub, subscale in size. And we're moving to the newer uh, Airbus 321 Neo platform, uh, the Airbus 220s as well as 350s and the 737-900 platform. That's gonna be the platform of of choice for Delta. Uh, They're all great aircraft. Uh, The fuel efficiency is going to be markedly better over the next several years as we we move that future forward. It would have taken us probably about five years, David, to get to this point of fleet simplicity and efficiency in the old world, as we are, uh, as as uh, travel was in high demand, but since its pause, it's given us a chance to accelerate the retirement of some of those airplanes.
0: And, and what about the uh, basic uh, structure of your of your industry? Uh, some of the major carriers uh, really live on on enormous uh, debt loads. Uh, Delta and southwest are usually reckoned to be less uh, uh, debt heavy than than the rest of, of the industry but there are analysts who wonder if every major carrier uh, can survive whether some won't go into bankruptcy and whether we're not heading toward another merger wave in in the, the airline industry like ones we've seen in the past what do you, what do you think about that is another merger wave ahead uh, would that be better for travelers in the long run what do you think
1: I I don't know that there will be another merger wave uh, anytime soon. I do know that we are all uh, raising capital to get through what's going to be a long, difficult winter. Uh, We raised about $15 billion of of financing uh, this year to date, and we're sitting with right now about $16 billion of cash in the bank. Uh, I think that will certainly, and we're looking at additional options in this quarter as well, but I certainly see Delta as having the, the cash and capital to get through uh, the worst of this, uh, this period of time. Whether it's going to lead to additional merger activity, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. At this point, uh, no, there's nothing at Delta that we're, we're thinking in that line. We're really trying to do our very best to take care of our own customers and our own people and not worried about what, what, the, uh, what a merger could mean.
0: And what's your guess about what kind of uh, air travel experience people want will want? There was a rise over the last uh, couple decades of the no-frills airlines, uh, but you know Delta's always been a, a full-service airline, prided itself on its service levels. What do you think is the winning position going forward in terms of the kind of service you deliver?
1: Well, we're going to continue to invest in our brand and the strength of the service, Delta is seen, as you indicate, as a premium uh, airline, a premium brand uh, that customers appreciate. I think, as you get through the pandemic, uh, people are going to have a newfound appreciation for the quality of the service, uh, not just the the uh, safety record that Delta has, but the the health and the well-being of our passengers and the comfort of our passengers on board our planes. People are going to be looking to invest in in the resiliency of their own travel experience and I think Delta is going to be in a well well positioned for that to come out on the other end, uh, an even stronger airline. We, we may be smaller but we're going to be stronger and more resilient on the other side of this and I think that's what customers are going to be looking for. Uh, price is a key determinant for a lot of travelers, uh, those leisure travelers. Uh, business travelers tend to pay a little bit more because they want the, the confidence and the comfort of safety uh, with, a, with a full service carrier. And that's that's our bread and butter.
0: So I wanna ask you a final question, uh, wrapping up this very informative conversation. It's one we've asked many uh, business uh, leaders and that, that's a, a question of uh, racial justice and, and seeking greater uh, racial diversity in your uh, senior ranks. Uh, I, I, numbers that I've seen show that you have two black board members out of 12 uh, and that there are no uh, black men or women among your top 11 executive uh, positions. Uh, what plans do you have to try to improve those numbers?
1: Well, we're accountable for those numbers, David, as you mentioned, and uh, with the recent um, violence that we've seen with the, 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 the killings of George Floyd and, and certainly in our community here in Atlanta, Ray Shark Brooks, It's brought the the, uh, pandemic and the call for racial justice together. That's created, I think, uh, an even greater outcry for corporate leaders to step up and to own the the accountability that we have to take care of all of our people. Uh, And that includes their opportunities for for not just equality within, within society, but advancement within our communities and our companies. Um, one of the things at Delta we're doing a lot of work on is trying to make sure we really understand what systemic racism means and how to be anti-racist and how to be a true ally to our black and brown colleagues. Uh, we need to grow our numbers. Uh, today about 40% of our employee base is black and brown. Uh, our leadership is only about 30% throughout the company of black and brown colleagues that are are in leadership positions in the company. We need to do better. We need to reflect within leadership, the same ratio and diversity and inclusion that our our broad employee base has, as well as our our customer base has as well. Um, I think one of the aspects to accountability, in addition to understanding the shoes that our black and brown colleagues walk in is understand how can we pull up uh, into the board, into the executive leadership ranks our black and, and brown uh, uh, fellow colleagues. Spending a lot of time understanding the numbers as you dissect uh, you know, the diversity and inclusion being a real important part of our, our, uh, our strategies over time at Delta. I think our black and brown colleagues have been lost in the numbers. And we haven't made the progress with our black and brown colleagues that we've had with other minorities, with women. And we need to pull up, The uh, the accountability that I have, starting at the top, as well as all of our employees, do, to provide a better outcome uh, for those employees.
0: Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta Airlines, thank you so much for a rich conversation. Uh, We will be back at Washington Post Live tomorrow at twelve noon for a conversation about race and representation in fashion and entertainment with style icons and activists, Beverly Johnson and Tina Knowles Lawson. Uh, And on Tuesday, we'll talk about conservation, sustainability, and climate change with former president of Ireland, Mary Robinson, Los Angeles Mayor uh, Eric Garcetti, and the former executive secretary of the UN Convention on Climate Change, Christiana Figueres. So please do join us at Washington Post Live for these upcoming sessions. Again, thank you to our guest today, Ed Bastian.